Welcome to Security with Spirits. I'm your host, Jason, and I'm joined at the bar by... Ben, Jonathan, and Tony. We'll tell you what to drink while we tell you about why we drink. All right, so what are we drinking tonight? So while making dinner tonight, I ended up with an extra lime, and I looked at my bottle of Sazerac rye and thought, somehow I can make this work. So I mixed Sazerac rye, some lime juice, some strawberries, and simple syrup. I made kind of a strawberry rye made. <laughs> I guess uh, a rye daiquiri. Ooh, that's fancy. That's ridiculous. <laughs> right on. <laughs> I'm going simple tonight. This weekend I was at the outskirts of Albany and I just happened to pop into a spirit store and I got looking and they had a bottle of Bushmills prohibition recipe bottle i'm like that's a cool looking sounding bottle i'm just gonna get it and i've cracked it open tonight and it's it's not too bad it's irish whiskey that's based around the prohibition recipe does it make you go blind well that's the thing i've been wondering is it more gasoline or paint thinner I'm, we'll <laughs> see so tonight i have uh the balvini i've got a 12 year old the sweet toast of american oak it's one of their specials that they have and i actually bought it for myself before vacation and i figured i would sit and uh, drown my sorrows that vacation's over but now i'm drinking to toast that the hurricane is over so that's what i got all right and then uh this episode's signature cocktail is the oak barrel black hat the Black Russian meets Irish coffee. Take a healthy pour of Irish whiskey, some coffee liqueur, and add some nice strong coffee. Uh, this one is about as dark and bitter as a cybersecurity veteran's attitude. Good for when you need, need to take the edge off, uh, but still have a long night ahead. For the full recipe and the picture on our website, oakbarrelsecurity.com. Cheers. Very nice. All right, Jonathan. So this week uh, we are grilling you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. You know, as a young boy, I love to take things apart, all things electronics, be it a stereo or car radio, anything that had a power cord, I love to take it apart. And I really didn't get my hands onto a computer until about fifth grade, and that was an Apple II when they got a big grant for the school system. And, uh, you know, that, that really got my attention. By the time I was in middle school, a former science teacher gave me my first i386 and i remember taking it apart and putting it back together and just learning how, what the thing the pieces were and what they did and then i remember just what could i make windows 3.1 do and just poking around in that finally by the time i was in high school i was pilfering the school's network until i found their letterhead and i was printing elevator passes to sell after that i i got into a IT gig of uh, supporting computers in the school system, and we covered everything, be it VCRs, DVD players, smart boards, projectors, sound systems, badge readers. Uh, I even helped design a biometric clock-in, clock-out system because they wanted to start documenting every time people come and go, and so I've done a lot of things. I've watched IT evolve through the educational machine over the years by, you know, I've implemented AD wireless networking, cleaning config or off devices till eventually, you know, deploying a one-to-one -one initiative where every kid had an iPad or a device. And then finally I, I jumped into healthcare and just 
it's accelerated ever since. Ah, very similar. I have uh, my first computer that I touched was an Apple IIe programming class. Mm-hmm. I'm just over here drinking more because you mentioned Configure. Oh gosh, yeah. But what was you know that was my first virus that I really seen at that age, and all the machines that we had on the network didn't have an AV, didn't have a firewall, and of course they would they were sharing the same password, generic accounts galore. So it was just eye opening as to what a little bit of code could actually do. How happy are you that you got out of school system IT before this like age of remote learning? I knew before I left it was coming. Like I, I knew that at some point it was going to change. I guess if I was still in it, I would be just more frustrated over how unprepared administration and planning that actually went to implement the systems and processes were. So yes, I'm very thankful. In other words, <laughs> part of the reason to do with cybersecurity is is not necessarily for the money, but. I've heard people say there's no money in working in healthcare. Well, there's even less in working in education. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's it, it's something that you want to do. And at some point, I, I had to draw that line in the sand that uh, it was time to move on because I needed to grow myself more. So, what would you say got you started working specifically in cybersecurity? I've, I've always loved to challenge things in two ways. One, how can I break it or get around it? Or what all can I do with it? Uh, I remember in the classroom having to implement security policies to keep kids from messing with things on the computers. Then at some point I was given a lecture about IT careers and I was standing there talking about how a security career or a career in IT security most of the times are not outsourced to other countries. To be truthful, at the time I was a little sore on outsourcing because my, my father just lost his job due to outsourcing. They shipped his, his uh, company overseas. So I was a little bit angry about that. So I was just standing up there talking about that and I realized like, huh, here's a big flashing arrow telling me something and I've got this underlying passion that I just need a, you know an outlet for. That's kind of where I've ended up. That's a little real talk from, from the home life. Uh, <laughs> uh, governmental entities are working very hard right now to keep people who've worked in cybersecurity industry and government levels and such from even being able to legally take jobs in other countries. So I'm getting ahead of the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember a, a few years ago, like not even talking about outsourcing, but there was somebody saying that you shouldn't get into cybersecurity because AI is just going to take over all of that. They won't even need people. So n nice to know that they were wrong. <laughs> so far. Yeah. So far, yeah. I still think there's the, I mean, you have to have that human element. Yeah, we don't need a Skynet incident. Exactly. No, no don't want that. I, I don't know if anybody's ever watched the Silicon Valley series where they end up building this AI that enhances networking to a point where it's actually cracking encryption. And they realize, like, oh, we don't, we need to shut this down. <laughs> <laughs> what a great show. Like, yeah. That was Mike Judge, right? Mm-hmm. Like, between that, Idiocracy, just a, a visionary. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jonathan, let us know, what is your security orientation? Which way do you lean? Of course, everybody wants the red team. But then at the same time, blue team, you got to have it. I feel like I fall right in the middle 
no matter what. Uh, I, I love defending, but I've still got to poke at systems and make sure that the things I'm defending can actually alert and trigger based on the things that are going on. So I, I don't know. Always, I've always said I'm a purple teamer. That's just the best way I can identify. I think there's a little bit of like red team necessary. You have to have those skills to to make your 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 blue team skills better. Red team for the curiosity, blue team for the oh, what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> Don't want anybody else doing this. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've already talked about uh, Mike Judge, so we're going to go right into it. What um, cybersecurity related or computer related media, books, movies, you know, whatever have you, uh, whenever you were growing up, what inspired you? Ooh, okay. Well, yeah, I, I already mentioned Silicon Valley. Just I recently watched that all the way to the end, and just I got a big kick out of it. Like you said, Mike Judge, hard to beat. When I was a kid, probably 12 years old, Johnny Mnemonic, Keanu Ooh. Reeves. Yeah. Something about that. I, I mean, I even watched it a few weeks ago, and I'm I was still just like entranced by it. And you just start thinking about data being moved that way, and you know, you we've actually got people integrating stuff with their uh, biology now with IT. So to me, that that's very awesome. But uh, another movie, The Imitation Game, uh, mm. about Alan Turing, mm-hmm. that is, I, I could turn it on like any day and just sit and watch it. That, that is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, that is a very good movie. And how they formulated the idea that humans cannot work fast enough or think fast enough to decipher their own encryption yes very illuminating and then you know once they found that way of cracking that encryption then they had to rationalize well we can't stop every attacker the nazis are going to know so what can we do and so they actually built formulas around that i mean by the time it was done they'd save 14 million lives out of it just the whole the movie about that that's showing his life and what they did I, I just think it's phenomenal and i mean his his name and test is still used today you were talking about like the the bioengineering and stuff like that have you seen yeah. the thing that that all the like, all the kids are doing these days and they're they're putting the the chips to unlock their teslas and stuff and they're implanting it in the meaty part between their thumb and forefinger i think i'd seen that once before but didn't think much about it but yeah that makes sense <laughs> It's it's starting to catch on. Like there's they're selling kits online and everything where you can just inject the chip and yeah, I'll pass. What happens when you upgrade cars? Exactly. I need a new key. I'm gonna have to dig out this old one. Or somebody wants the old key to that uh, car. <laughs> so Jonathan, we've learned a lot about you. How about you leave us with a little nugget of wisdom? Absolutely. So me what i've always told people is find that one place that feeds your soul regardless if it's in it or if it's an it security or something completely if it's carpentry life's too short to get burned out in something that you're miserable in uh i i worked hard to get where i'm at and i've still got goals and dreams i hope to achieve and I, all of it fa- falls back into that it's just something that I'm passionate about and it refuels me. Had an evening drink with a friend uh, today and we were talking and he told me uh, a story and he said, you know, you don't get fired, you fire yourself. 
and it made me think about, you know, if you get in a job and you get burned out, you start not caring, and eventually you've ultimately fired yourself by not, I mean, I'm, you know, there's extenuating circumstances, but at some point, you know, when you're ready to move on, you, you've got to realize that. They talk about now of quiet quitting. People have been doing that for eons. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the quiet quitting thing just burns me the f- I bet this is looking in the app data folder. So the, <laughs> the kids tried to explain it, and they were like, well, it's where you just do, just do what you're told, and you work the hours you work, and that's it. And I was like, well, that's doing your job. I'm like, yeah, but you don't go above and beyond or anything like that. And I was like, well... But that's that's doing your job. Like if you if if that's where you are in life and you're happy there, then organizations should be like, oh, this person. And I know this is where we get into organizations, you know, all the nuances there and everything. But organizations should realize that this is a valuable person where they're at. They're happy where they're at. They're performing their job. Let's pay them how they should be paid. Let's pay them fairly, you know, and just go on. I, I just I. I'm having a really tough time grasping the uh, the quiet quitting thing. I think what they described to you isn't necessarily quiet quitting. I think quiet quitting stems more that I'm doing this job. Maybe when you create that user account or you create that security group, you don't add a description and you call it something cryptic so that when the person comes along and tries to figure out what, is, what it does, they have to do some serious research to figure out what it does. Okay. So that the person's just basically not invested or investing in their job. Phoning it in like iced tea and Johnny Mnemonic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. What 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 Jason was describing sounds more like actually a healthy work work life balance. Um, yes. Right. Right. And that's uh, that that's what got me is I was like I don't understand that. But then uh, also if it's like quiet quitting where they're just kind of slack assing and phoning it in and everything, I'm I mean. Uh, get ready kids for your ah, oh, you boomer and you know gen x or you know so get ready but you're gonna like you're gonna get fired like that's <laughs> you shouldn't be scared of being fired that's the other thing that yeah i just i have a really difficult time i, with I think what you're struggling with is, is your work ethic yeah yeah <laughs> i was gonna say that you know that kind of goes along with the type of work we do right like Cybersecurity is kind of a job of passion. There's there's probably easier ways to make money in IT. Uh, we're doing this because we actually believe in what we're defending. That's a good point. Like I actually, I, I was had a conversation earlier this week with one young up and comer for you know he he had his sights set on cybersecurity and he was like you have all this and you have all these you have all this knowledge you have all these certifications and why aren't you like pursuing other thing and i was like well that, i don't so anytime i i take a i take a job on i feel like i'm i have to work the job until i feel like it's complete like and whenever i say it's complete i'm like okay there's no more room for me to grow within the organization everything's like taken care of we're just kind of like in maintenance mode like that's the time whenever I feel like I need to move on. And he just like mind blown. He was like, I, I, I don't understand it. He's like, you should just like middle fingers up and walk out. And I'm like, that's not, um, you know, we had 15 years uh, between us. So, <laughs> you know, 
it's interesting. It's interesting. It's talking to talking to people. It's it's a lot of fun. <laughs> he's a good kid. Like I I actually like one of these days need to bring him on the show. He's he's a good person. So besides the middle fingers. Up. <laughs> <laughs> so stay tuned for a future episode where we actually discuss our views, our our thoughts, our experiences on going to different conferences. But to give you a little sneak peek. Jonathan went to Black Hat this year, so Jonathan, why don't you share a little bit? Black Hat was very commercial. <laughs> it's like all these vendors are there trying to get you on board with their product, but in all seriousness, there were a lot of people bringing a lot of topics, and I think uh, two things kind of stood out to me that I'll, I want to share real quick with you all, and that's one, as a security community, where are we going? Where do we want to be going? You know, if we look back over since most organizations started having a IT security group, what's changed since that and where are we going now? You know, what what do we need to be thinking about the next generation? What do they need to be learning? Uh, what do they need to be preparing for? And so that was kind of eye-opening because, you know, we, we've I've worked with a lot of young people starting to get their feet wet in security, and it's interesting where they started in IT and where I started and just the mindset difference. And I think we've kind of touched on that before. But then the other piece, like I said, probably the other thing that really stood out to me was uh, it feels like power has shifted and that in a, in a way, in a world power that we've not really seen. Because if you take a minute and you think about like the war going on in Ukraine, how manufacturers in different parts of the world vendors application developers are suddenly going you know what we're just going to block all russian ips or we're not we're not going to allow russian domains you know they're suddenly they're just turning off service to them uh, i mean google did it where they weren't able to take payments or uh, collect uh, collect money through videos on youtube and several other vendors started doing that and i think that's something very different than what we've seen prior in the world especially when you you've got one country attacking another and it kind of made me think about you know through all political nonsense that we've seen over the years what would happen if you know a company leaned more one way and there was a group leaning towards the other how could that be manipulated so, i don't know just some food for thought interesting i kind of going back to your you said it was very commercial unfortunately that's I mean, that's the way of conferences. You got to pay the bills somehow. Oh, absolutely. And I and I despise the uh, the games to like scan your badges as many booths as you can so you can get flooded with spam and calls and everything else. But the there is some really good opportunities. Like I went to EMC World one time, and it is so valuable. Whenever. That, like they didn't bring salespeople. This was the coolest idea ever, and I forgot what company it was. I think it was Pure Storage, maybe. But they brought. They didn't bring salespeople. They brought engineers, and they brought their product. And the engineers were just like, "Let's go. Whatever questions you got, let's do this." And you could tinker and play and pull drives and do all sorts of stuff. It was amazing. And they're like, and I was like, "Okay, I I want one." And they would give you a card, and they'll be like, "Call our salespeople." That was wow. oh, it was awesome. That's a that's a great method. I I was I knew about that about scanning the badge, and I'm like, I'm not playing this game. <laughs> it's 
So I got into their app and I'm, I started pulling out all of my personal information. Like we're putting this junk email in there. You can see it's junk in. I don't <laughs> care. Anybody that I legitimately want to work with, I'll reach out to. And that that has kind of helped a bit because I'm the same way. It's like I, I don't want flooded by stuff that I'll never use or we've already got a solution. Uh, a company that makes a good product, they'll let you try it and try to break it and try to figure it out yourself. That way, you know, you want it just like they did. They let you play with it until you were like, I want one of these. Mm-hmm. Would you consider that a like must go to destination for cybersecurity professionals or is it sort of just a novelty at this point? I think it's important to at least go once because the information they share there is fantastic. I am looking at other things that wouldn't be as commercial but more training focused. I guess you could say, you know, like for instance, like I, I would probably want to go to Wild West Hacking Fest. Right. Yes. Right. That that one is definitely on my list now. So you mentioned sharing a email address, you know, giving them a fake email address. Just a little tidbit with the to the listeners out there. Fun little tip that I learned recently. But Google, if you put like your email address, like name at gmail.com is your email. If you put name plus whatever you want. So let's say that you're at black hat and whatever abc uh security company it's like give us your email you can put name and then the plus sign abc at gmail.com and you can see whenever that email comes in because it's going to have that it's still going to come to your regular name.gmail.com but it's going to have the plus abc on there so you can not only filter it and say you know i don't want to like hear from them anymore just move it to trash but you can also see who they've sold that name to. Oh, wow. There you go. Fun little I tip. I love that. Yes. Nice bonus no, nugget. I, I use those like gorilla mail. Your yeah, email is like gobbledygook at sharklasers.org. Yes, it is. <laughs> Apple, uh, they do that too. Like they did that. I think it was like uh, last year, maybe year before last. I don't really know but they'll anonymize your email address. So how many like free Wi-Fi's and such like that did you see at Black Hat? I really didn't have time to scan stuff. I was running from uh, conference room to conference room. All right, Jonathan, it was great getting to know you. Hope all the listeners enjoyed themselves. For this week's Security with Spirits, I'm Jason. This has been Jonathan and Tony. And we'll talk to you all later. Bye, Bye. everybody. I bet this is looking in the app data folder.